This is the Reading Instruction Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today, we are going to look at the National Reading Panel and their five pillars of reading instruction. Now, the National Reading Panel identified and uh, what they call five pillars of reading instruction. They are phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. According to them, these must be included in all reading instruction. Now, there's nothing wrong with this, but they're a little short. So, let's take a look at some of the problems with the five pillars of reading instruction described by the National Reading Panel. First, the five pillars are based on a very simplistic understanding of reading. It uses the phonological processing model to understand what reading is. And here, reading is seen as simply sounding out words. And if reading is simply sounding out words, reading instruction should be primarily sounding out words instruction. In this sounding out view of reading, sounding out words is the only way to recognize words while reading. And by the way, there's a difference between sounding out words and identifying words. We need to be clear about this, something the National Reading Panel was not. Recognizing words is perceiving a word in print and instantly knowing what it is. You recognize it. Now, our brain uses three cueing systems working together to do this. It uses the phonological cueing system, which is letters, the semantic cueing system, which is meaning or the context of the sentence, and the syntactic cueing system, which is grammar and word order. Now, of these three, the phonological cueing system is the least efficient in terms of time and space it takes up in short-term memory. Yes, this, yet this, is the sole focus of the National Reading Panel when it comes to identifying words, and they're different. Identifying words is you recognize it and you need to use some strategy. More on this in a minute. The second problem with the National Reading Panel's finding is that the research used to come to their conclusions was based on a preconceived conclusion. The panel only selected research that would bring them to their preconceived conclusion. In other words, since reading is sounding out words, they looked only at research that asked sounding out word questions and used sounding out word measures and collected sounding out word data and came to sounding out words conclusions and conclusions. And what did they conclude? They concluded that sounding out words was a good thing and we all need to do more of it. 
imagine that. A third problem is that with all the sciencing of the National Reading Panel and focus on scientific research, they included only a very narrow slice of research. They included only controlled experimental research based on a behavioral paradigm. They excluded everything else, including qualitative research, as well as research related to miscue analysis, eye movement, neuroscience, and cognitive psychology, all which help us understand reading and the reading in process and what good instruction is. What is effective? They use the same type of research that's used to understand bacteria in a petri dish to understand human beings reading in a classroom. Imagine that. Now, yes, one of the pillars is comprehension. That's a good thing. But comprehension in many of the research studies tended to be measured by reading a paragraph, selecting a bubble, and filling out the correct bubble. Imagine that. Now, instead of five pillars, there are a few pillars short. There are 10 pillars of good reading instruction, and I'm going to pillar you. I'm going to describe the 10. Now, the first one is phonemic awareness. Absolutely. This is one that the National Reading Panel identified. And by the way, what they identified was it was nothing new. It was stuff that good literacy researchers have been talking about for years. The only thing new about the National Reading Panel is that their pillars were very narrow, were, 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 were short, were five pillars short. So, off on a tangent, phonemic awareness. This is hearing and manipulating sounds within words. It has nothing to do with letters. It just focuses on sounds. This is done at the emergent level. Here the student is able to hear rhyming sounds or to break words apart and put sounds together to create words. And much of the research here used to identify the effectiveness of phonemic awareness was correlational. That means high scores in phonemic awareness were correlated with reading achievement. Just like water temperature is correlated with drowning, we can't say that water temperature causes drowning because when the temperature goes up, more people are on the water, hence you're going to have more drownings. It's correlated, but not causal. Correlation is different than causation. We cannot say that one causes the other. Children who come to kindergarten who score highly on phonemic awareness measures have higher achievement test scores in later grades, but the high phonemic awareness is often an effect of something else, like exposure to books and words and parents reading to them. Yes, phonemic awareness activities should be included as part of an emergent reading curriculum, but discontinued once students are reading 
at the upper grade one levels. You should not have struggling readers in middle school and high school doing phonemic awareness activities. I actually saw that in a high school special education classroom. This is why you want to have literacy experts in special ed programs. That's another podcast. The second pillar is word recognition in word work. The teacher uses strategies and activities to develop students' ability to recognize words. Again, this is different from identifying words. Recognizing words is perceiving the word and automatically knowing what it is. Activities must be included to develop all three cueing systems, semantic, syntactic, and phonological. If only phonics is used, students' reading achievement will occur, but not nearly as fast or as much as it could. This means including maze and close activities to develop the semantic cueing system and various forms of writing activities to develop the syntactic cueing system. So let's go to the third pillar, word identification strategies. The student sees a word in print. It's in their lexicon or mental dictionary, but they don't recognize it. They don't automatically know what it is. They perceive it, but they don't know what it is. So they must use one of four strategies, morphemic analysis, analogy, context clues, and phonics. And these are described in other places, in other podcasts. But each of these strategies must be taught using direct and explicit instruction. If you're only teaching phonics, you are three word identification strategies short, and students are not going to make the progress. Number four is phonics instruction. Absolutely. Everybody believes that phonics instruction should be part of early reading instruction. Everybody does, including me. Direct and explicit phonics instruction as part. Not the only thing, but part. And that includes for struggling readers. Sadly, what happens with struggling readers, they just get a whole bunch of phonics. However, instead of just one kind of phonics instruction, it should include all three types of phonics instruction. This means synthetic phonics, which is putting letters together, synthesis, to create words. That's your traditional way. Analytic phonics, which is analyzing words in a sentence, words they know. And large unit phonics instruction, which is looking at letter patterns, phonograms, word families, using that to, to, uh, to identify or recognize words. The fifth pillar should be writing. Now this is an element that is not given nearly enough tension, attention, not included nearly enough. But the link between writing and reading is firmly established. Writing helps reading, reading helps writing. 
Writing enhances letter-sound relationships, but more importantly, as stated earlier, it is the best method for developing the syntactic cueing systems, for using words and word order to recognize words. Writing should be included in a reading class, not every day, but certainly a couple times a week. These should be short activities, three to ten minutes at the most. They could include, uh, uh, and they should be authentic writing activities. This could include language experience activities, journal entries, sentence combining, priming pictures, any type of authentic writing. Short and simple. Draft and share. Share your ideas. What do you think? What did you see? What did you experience? Focus, I'm a bit, you know, focus on the five writing steps or the five-step writing process should be attended to in other contexts. The five-step writing process is pre-writing, draft, revise, edit, and share. These are the five steps. In reading class, it should just be draft and share, draft and share, draft and share. That's the fifth element. The sixth element is reading practice, volume. The amount of reading students do is highly correlated, correlated with reading achievement. Reading a lot enhances comprehension, word identification, fluency, and conceptual knowledge. Reading practice is one of the best research-based strategies you can use in your classroom. Science of reading people? Look at that research, would you? Reading practice, reading volume. So instead of calling it reading class, we should call it reading practice. Like choir practice, like volleyball practice, like wrestling practice. How do you expect to get better at anything without practicing? But what do we do with our struggling readers? We give them less reading practice and more sounding out word instruction. And we wonder why they don't like reading. Imagine that. Nancy Atwell said that 70 to 80% of reading class should be reading practice and only 20 to 30% of reading class should be spent on instruction. Sadly, it is most often the opposite. 70 80% of reading class is spent on round-robin reading, skills instruction, and worksheets. Ugh, boring. Students are asked to select a good book to read only when they get their work done. However, reading good books should be the work of reading class, not your silly workbook and round-robin reading. The seventh pillar is fluency. If reading fluency is a problem, and only if it's a problem, some form of a repeated reading activities should be used. And again, but only if it is a problem. And I've described these activities in other places. Reading fluency should focus only on the speed of processing words. Just like musicians practice scales to enhance or increase reading fluency, 
Readers, if fluency is a problem, should do repeated reading activities. And in these, words per minute scores should be used to document progress. Do not use words correct per minute because we're not focusing on word identification or word recognition. There are other places to focus and document this. The eighth pillar is vocabulary. Word study in some form should be included. Of course, wide reading and conversation are the best ways to expand and deepen students' word knowledge. Vocabulary worksheets and writing the definitions of words are highly ineffective. There are much better ways and more effective ways to expand students' vocabulary, and these are described in other places. Focus here is just on the 10 pillars. The ninth pillar is comprehension. Now, comprehension means creating meaning. You understand what you read. And you note that this is how reading is defined. Comprehension is reading, and reading is essentially comprehension. If you're not comprehending, creating understanding, you're not really reading. Sounding out words, barking at print, that's not reading. Reading is creating meaning. Comprehension is creating meaning. Now, when we look at comprehension, Comprehending narrative texts, stories, must be approached differently from comprehending expository text or informational text. We read for different purposes. That's why they have to be approached differently. Why do we read narrative texts? What's the purpose? We read them to enjoy them to be entertained. When I'm reading my book at home, nobody asks me to identify the plot or the problem or the crisis or the resolution or describe the main characters. Nobody does that because I am enjoying the story. I am being entertained. That's why we read them in the real world. And our reading instruction must reflect the real world. Nobody asked me to do a comprehension worksheet. By the way, comprehension worksheets do absolutely nothing to enhance students' ability to create meaning with print. They're usually remember worksheets or go back and find the answer worksheets. They do very little, if anything, to enhance students' ability to create meaning with print. All right. We read narrative texts one way because the purpose is to enjoy them. We read expository text, informational text, to understand a different purpose. I'm reading my textbook. I want to understand that and take information away. Different from when I read Harry Potter to be entertained. Thus, we must approach expository text and informational text differently. Now, for narrative texts, there are several cognitive operations that have been identified as enhancing comprehension. 
and I've described these in other places, but these cognitive operations or thinking processes include things like predicting and inferring, comparing, story grammar, and such, putting stories into parts. We teach these cognitive operations explicitly so that students engage in them automatically as they read narrative texts. We teach predicting within the context of real stories, not so students can fill out our prediction worksheets, but so students do it automatically. We teach the process to develop the skill. The process is something you have to think about, the skill you do it automatically. Now, for expository texts, we teach study skill strategies. A strategy is something you purposely employ. We teach things such as note-taking, pause and process, and other strategy. These strategies are taught using direct instruction. These study skill strategies must be pragmatic to use and effective. You do not use or teach study skill strategies with narrative texts, only expository texts. You do not teach note-taking strategies to read Harry Potter. <laughs> you teach enjoying strategies. Now, the last element, the last pillar of good reading instruction is the social and emotional element of the reader. This, too, is too often not attended to. There must be social interaction and conversation around good books. This is what makes reading happen. This could involve a variety of activities, including book talks and literature circles, book clubs, book evaluations and critiques, top 10 lists, journal entries and responses, planned discussion. These experiences must be planned and purposeful because social interaction enhances high-level thinking as well as literacy learning. We must also recognize and attend to the emotional element. Reading good books is a pleasurable act. It can be used to help us understand ourselves and others, but the emotional element, especially with struggling readers, must be attended to. We must not frustrate our struggling reader Instruction must be within the zone of proximal development, just a little ahead of the independent level, with scaffolding so that the student can be successful. Now, a teacher of reading has two prime directives. Number one, help students fall in love with books. After that, much of reading instruction takes care of itself. And number two, do not frustrate or humiliate students. And these are all related to the social and emotional element. So, in review, the 10 pillars, not five, but 10 of good reading instruction, and we should see these in various forms within a week or so of instruction, if these are deficit areas especially, would include phonemic awareness, but only with emergent level readers, word recognition and word work, 
Number three, word identification strategies. Number four, phonics instruction. Number five, writing. Number six, reading practice. Number seven, fluency. Number eight, vocabulary or word work. Number nine, comprehension. And number 10, attention to the social and emotional element of the reader. Phonemic awareness, word recognition, word work, word identification strategies, phonics instruction, writing, reading practice, fluency, vocabulary or word work, comprehension, and attention to the social and emotional element of the readers. The five pillars identified by the National Reading Panel, they were five pillars short. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, as always, Dr. Andrew Johnson.